With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. You're Daddy Bear, I'm Mommy Cat. Or wait, no, I'm Mommy I'm Bear, Daddy. you're Daddy you're, Cat. <laughs> thank you, Mommy Bear. I'm with Mommy Bear right now, John Thrasher. Hey, Johnny That's Boy. right. Hi. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to NMR. We, you know what? The Spice Girls did this. They, you know, some some tabloid labeled them Scary Spice, Ginger Spice, Baby Spice, Sporty Spice, Is Posh Spice. Yeah. Top of the Pops magazine back in the day labeled them these spices based on their personalities. And they were like, oh, you don't get to um, decide our narrative. They uh, took ownership of it. And so the Spice Girls in their hold spice on. names. Were hold born. on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Okay, Go but ahead. what were they then before the Spice Girls? Was well, they were always name? the Spice Girls. But then like very early in the, their heyday when they first released those that first uh, song, Wannabe, Top of the Pops kind of labeled them in their magazine as each of these spices, and then they just kind of owned it and then ran with it and so made it part scary of their marketing. Wasn't, so scary wasn't scary, baby for like baby? For like, I want to say probably a month or two in the very beginning of their careers, they didn't identify that way. No. They were just the Spice Girls. Mel B, Mel C, everybody else. Very but interesting. Isn't that interesting? I know. And, and Posh no is really just Posh. That. Posh is just posh, yeah. In fact, I was listening to a Twitter space today with Melanie C., which you can hear me rant about that on NMR. And she was talking about how she was like, after that came, after that happened, and for a very long time, most people didn't even know our names. They just knew us as our spice labels. And I was like, that's such a weird. That's I can't imagine. Interesting. I had no idea. I love like, I love like taking intellectual property and being like, you know what? (laughs) Thanks this for this. This is us. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. Well, right. that's really incredible. We have some exciting, incredible yeah. launching news kind of thing that we've yeah. been talking about. Our merch store launched to so much hype, John. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. A few moments later, it, a few it launched. Moments later. A f- we, we launched this podcast in February 2021, and then... A few moments later... And by that, we mean a year and some change. We have launched our merch store, which we did last week. And Darren, thank you to everybody who's purchased. And the feedback has been so positive. I don't know about you, but I've been getting some DMs and some mentions on social media. We had a lot of orders. I was actually surprised because I'm like, are people really going to like, like as soon as we launch, are people like ready to go buy stuff? And I was... Surprised. A lot of people were. So thank you guys for doing I that. Was very, yeah, thank you guys so much. Obviously, we're going to get, if you have any tips for designs or oh, things yeah. you want to see, maybe you're a daddy cat. Maybe you're a mommy bear. Maybe you're a mommy <laughs> yeah. cat daddy bear. We don't know. 
But maybe maybe we need to make that a shirt is what you're saying, right? I think we might need to make that a shirt. I think every little weird <laughs> thing that you and I say we have to make a shirt. So there's going to be a lot of options coming up. Yeah, but don't, that's right. Don't expect a lot. We're obviously slow here. But obviously click the link <laughs> in our show notes for to go yes. to that merch store if you haven't already. So it's really exciting. John put in a lot of effort and he deserves Thank a lot of you. Place. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it was a lot of effort, but only because, as most of you know at this point, our show here, Shaken and Disturbed, unlike our other shows, is independent. So, you know, it's all up to me and Darren, and Megan helps obviously so much as well. So, um, you know, it was like I had to etch out some free time in the evenings and weekends, and there's quite a lot of paperwork, you know, that goes into this stuff, let alone designing and picking out colors and all that stuff but it's been really fun and it really is a labor of love for you guys um we know you've been wanting this for so long and you can get t-shirts hoodies notebooks pillows totes magnets. phone cases magnets. magnets yeah we need a phone case we have to buy a phone case i really i'm actually going to place an order for one of my own yeah i do want it to be completely yeah, you honest get me one for my birthday oh, anyway birthday, um, which was just this weekend yeah. but we'll talk about that next on the next episode actually so We'll talk about it on NMR. Oh, that's right. We it's talked, on NMR. We about it's on, on NMR. NMR. I'm fr- I forgot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Like, this, sweetie. My weeks are are messed up. Yeah. Speaking of you being messed up, are you drinking anything today? <laughs> that was an amazing and professional segue. Thank we, you. That it's was like really good. Yeah, Thank it's you. right. It's like you're on camera and talking to people all day or something. All day. Kind of. I'm going dry again because... To be completely honest with you, by the time this episode drops, I will be knee deep in hopefully some margaritas. Um, oh. I'm about to take a vacation. I'm going to my friend Jeff and Carla's wedding in Cancun, Mexico. And what I'm, day did you? What day did you leave? Currently, as you're listening to this episode, you're in Mexico, right? I, if you're listening to this episode now and it is released to the public, I am in Mexico. I will have left Saturday. My plan is to not get COVID so that I can return to the United States and it, went on Wednesday. It, it is kind of funny because like COVID, and this is obviously just maybe in our <clears throat> world. I'm not saying everyone's world, but COVID has shifted yeah. to this being this thing of like, I don't want it. You know, what's going to happen? We're all going to be sick to like, I don't really care if I get it. I just want to be able to come back into the country. To the country. <laughs> yes, exactly. I have a hotel in shifted. Miami that's waiting for me that I paid a lot of money for. And I can't be catching no COVID in another country. So anyway, yes, I'll, I'm on a vacation next week. We'll still have a new episode, by the way. We're, we're planning ahead, so you guys don't have to worry about that. But um, I'm just going to take it easy with the drinks for now because I, I'm anticipating drinking a lot over the next week, to be honest with you. Fair enough. I'm what actually having you? water today as well. Oh, good. Um, I've been partying hard for my birthday, so <laughs> I, was I just, just feel like I need say. to take it. And weddings. A little easy, yes. Mm-hmm. I've had three weddings in a row in a weekend. It's like wedding three, season. Like three I was thinking that. I was weddings. like, you kept mentioning weddings, and I was like, is this? Am I getting things mixed up, or did she already go to a wedding? And then you just, I just realized you've gone to a, a million of them. Correct. So it's just wedding season, and it is. Um, and, and a like, lot of a lot of weddings that happened years ago that got canceled because of COVID are happening. Well, that's now. what it is. Yes. and like ev- everyone wants to do. You know, spring is spring and fall are very yeah. good times to have a wedding. So it's yep. just like, it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, but it's calmed down, and I get to leave for vacation very soon. So yes. all Let's is good in the this. world. Let's, Let's get, get into in the this case. Week. Let's do it. All right. Well, on June fourteenth, nineteen thirty-three, throwback. Wow. Uh, Edward Wayne Edwards. Okay, let me repeat that. Edward Wayne Edwards, someone named their child that. No offense, it's just 
If your last name's Edwards, come on. It's kind of a dick move. I will say Megan, when she was doing when she was doing the research yeah. for this, was like, I only chose this because I thought what a stupid name this guy had. And then it turned out to be kind of an invigorating case. So right. That's to be true. fair, yeah. we were attracted just from the stupid just name. Just for the name. We needed a reason, you know, to do this. But anyway, Edward Wayne Edwards, no offense to him, was born in Akron, Ohio. In December of 1938, a few years later, when Ed was only two years old, his mother Lillian was shot in the stomach and died of septicemia. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, Two years later in 1940, Ed was sent to live in an orphanage in Parma, Ohio, about 35 miles away from his home, where he lived for eight years until he was sent to a reform school in Pennsylvania. These are all like kind of old school things, right? Like, I mean, not, I don't, I'm sure there are orphanages, they exist, but the term orphanage just sounds so old school in a sense to me and then like reform school like what is that even really yeah like finishing school it kind of sounds like you don't really hear yeah. about like you hear about foster care obviously nowadays but you don't really hear exactly. about like orphanages in the same way that's what i was trying to say thank you i'm so glad you're on the show to, t- to help uh, thank me god figure thank things god. out i thought i knew my dad better than anyone one day we were chatting in fact we were chatting the other day and i heard a story i've never heard before He was trying to go to an Elton John concert years ago, mixed up the dates, and had the worst experience ever because he never got to see Elton live. But that got me wondering, how many other stories don't I know? And that's why I got my dad's StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your dad or father figure connect through sharing stories and memories and preserves them for years to come. Every week, StoryWorth emails your dad a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought of before, like, what is one of your fondest childhood memories? Or, have you ever feared for your life? I actually got StoryWorth from my mom last year, and she loved it. I loved it. One of my favorite questions I asked her was about her childhood and the toys she played with and what she experienced as a kid. It's very it, These are questions that you don't think of typically asking, which is why this is so important. After one year, StoryWorth compiles all of those questions and stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share for generations. Honestly, I just got the one from my mom and it is my most cherished, cherished possession With both of my parents having their own StoryWorth book, I love that I now have cherished memories unique to both of them, and then I can pass down to my own kids so that those memories never get lost and those questions always get asked. So give all the fathers in your life a meaningful gift you can both cherish for years to come, StoryWorth. Right now, for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash shaken. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash shaken to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash shaken. Well, Ed lived in the reform school from 1948 to 1950 until the age of 17 when he returned to his hometown of Akron. Now, I have a best friend that's from Akron. So if anyone can speak upon Akron, oh, it's, it's me. you. It's Obviously. totally me. My only um, thing I can offer there is that I got really drunk in a club in downtown Akron, Ohio, and I should find out the name of it. And I like kind of blacked out, and I don't remember much else. So getting blackout in Akron, Ohio, sounds like the start Just... of a rom-com. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, anyway, as soon as uh, he was home, Ed began committing burglaries and was sent to a juvenile detention facility. Remember, he's still seventeen technically, 
which he escaped by signing up to become a U.S. Marine, actually. Yeah. And wow. with only a, uh, within only a few months, however, Ed went AWOL from his station in North Carolina. He was discovered and arrest, arrested in Jacksonville, Florida, and dishonorably discharged. In 1952, Ed was sentenced to two years in federal prison for transporting a stolen car across state lines and impersonating a Marine. Because remember, he was dishonorably discharged, so you can't go around acting like you're a Marine anymore. Interesting. Yeah. Right, of course. You know, stolen valor, that whole thing. They take that stuff very yep. seriously. As they should. Yeah, absolutely. In 1955, Ed was arrested again, this time on burglary charges. This time he managed to break out of prison and escape as he awaited trial. Now, Damn, this, this guy, guy is like... Yeah. But he's like a professional crook. Yeah, totally. A year later, in 1956, Ed was caught after committing a series of armed robberies and was sentenced to three more years in prison. At the end of his stint, Ed was immediately transported to Portland, Oregon, where he was tried for two additional armed robberies committed in 1956. This time, the court showed leniency, and Ed was just sentenced to just five years probation. I wonder why the court showed leniency when this is clearly like a repeat offender. I thought the you same know, thing, yeah. A first-timer kind of warrants that, but doing this repeatedly and getting caught just feels like, why are they being lenient on this guy? And armed robberies are such a different thing, in a sense, because you have to plan this all out. You're showing up with a gun. Your intention is to, you know, it's not like right. you just found yourself in an awkward situation or, or even, right. you know, had some sort of, like, defense, you know, plea or something. These are, like... You're showing up trying to arm and, and potentially kill somebody just for the money. You know, it's like not a good look. In 1960, Ed was questioned by authorities about his connection to a double homicide of a young Colorado couple. And at this time, he was arrested on the unrelated charges of falsely reporting, reporting a fire and falsely reporting a fire and was sent to a prison in Portland and once again oh broke God. out of prison and fled authorities. Oh. I would think it would be hard to fly out of uh, for, to break out of prison. I, I, it's one thing to break out once, to right. break out twice. I mean, maybe he knows. I mean, we don't have the details exactly about how he broke out in these two moments, but he must know some secret... You know, I don't know if he's using Alohomora, which is, of course, the the spell in Harry Potter to unlock locks. That's I would say that's definitely what it is. That has to be what it is. We just that's figured what I would it say out. Is it, okay. it, it, that's what it is. We figured it Thank out. Thank you, John. Yep, You're we welcome. It out. Breaking news on Shaken and Disturbed. In 1961, <laughs> Ed was charged with unlawful interstate flight for his most recent jailbreak and was added to the FBI's list of 10 most wanted fugitives. Okay. I remember America's Most Wanted back in the day. I, I was just show. thinking that, John yeah, Walsh. with John Walsh. What an iconic I'm, show, by the way. Absolutely. On January 20th, 1962, Ed and his wife Marlene were captured in Atlanta, and on May 18th of that year, Ed was sentenced to 16 years in prison. He served five of his sentence before being paroled in 1967. Oh, geez. So they're just, like, really giving him chances here. I guess so. On July 20th, 1968, Ed married a woman named Kay Hederly in Akron, Ohio. And in 1969, Ed and Kay had a baby girl, and they named her April. And from 1971 to 1973, Ed went on tour as a speaker where he advocated for prison reform. During his time, he published a book on rehabilitation titled The Metamorphosis of a Criminal, The True Life Story of Ed Edwards. The book actually contains a purportedly true story from Ed's childhood, a conversation with one of the nuns in the orphanage where he lived after the death of his mother. One of the nuns asked what he wanted to be when he grew up, to which Ed replied, Sister, I'm going to be a crook, and I'm going to be a good one. <laughs> 
Remember I said he was like a professional crook? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I mean, like, listen, who knows if that's 100% accurate. This is his own book and his own recollection, I guess. But, I mean, if it is, like, good for him in a sense. Like, at least you shot for the stars, no pun intended, you know? Well, apparently, according to his book, Ed never wore a mask while he committed crimes because he just genuinely wanted to be famous. Oh, he's one of those types. Is also a very sad thing to me, like, mm-hmm. when you're going to do this because you want to be famous. It's, like, the saddest form of anything. The novel detailed Ed's criminal history and discussed the 14 years he'd spent in prison. I just can't believe he's, like, on a book tour. But anyway... I mean, imagine doing all this and being like, I'm going to go on tour for it. I love that the book tour is surprising when he escaped prison 900 times. <laughs> right. But that's well, it. Anyway, in 1972, during this book tour, Ed appeared on a television game show to tell the truth. Darren, yes. ringing any bells here? Yes, I know this. Yes. Darren is a huge game show um, advocate. No, that's not the right word. File. Fanatic. Fanatic. There you go. Gamophile. Um, Game of File, yes. A show where three panelists, two fakers and the real guy, pose as a noteworthy person. In this case, Ed himself. Contestants have to ask each panelist questions and sleuth out which contestant is the person each panelist is claiming to be. Exactly. So they'll be like, I'm John Thrasher and I invented the accordion. Next one, I'm John Thrasher and I invented the accordion. I'm John Thrasher and I invented the accordion. Mm -hmm. And then you go through the questions because it's not like... You could really only do this in like, yeah. Well, you can do it now. The show is out now, but it, before social media and everyone was famous right. for doing whatever, there was like some cool spark about it. You know, there I, was something interesting. Totally, and I'm remembering seeing a clip. I don't know if this was like on TikTok or something recently, where I believe Rosa Parks came on the show, and they had a couple other people posing. You know, with the same kind of details. I'm Rosa Parks. I da 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 da. And it was just cool to see somebody who's such a, an icon of the civil rights yeah. movement get to kind of have a little moment of levity. And it was so cool because, you know, not for nothing, but the host and probably most of the audience and other people on, this, on the panel were all white people. And they had a moment where they stopped and, like, thanked her. And there was, like, this big, huge applause for her. And I'm like, wow, what an incredible thing. And I had never seen that before. I'm not exactly sure if it was on this exact show, but it was basically the same exact setup here. But anyway, just to go down a little game show rant. No, here. it's yeah, that's really <laughs> cool. It's certainly, again, pre-social media, this all felt totally. very, very special. Yes. Yeah. Well, this video um, is pretty eerie as it features Ed detailing his crimes to game show contestants in a very lighthearted way. But it was okay, though, guys. He was reformed. He had a book tour. He's a published right. author. He escaped prison. He escaped prison. 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 Prison with an accent on the O. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, can you imagine that today? Like, imagine O.J. Simpson, like, doing this. Wasn't O.J. Simpson in a movie or something, actually? I'm I'm John Thrasher, and I've murdered five women. Yeah, No, right. I'm John Thrasher, right. and I've murdered five women. Yeah, it's right. weird. I guess O.J. Simpson isn't the, because he was acquitted, so maybe that's not the best example. But, you know, what, Ted Bundy or, or anybody, you know? Son of Sam. Son of yeah. Sam, Golden State Killer. Like, what a fun day. Whoa, everybody, we got the Golden State Killer on, to tell the truth. That's exactly right. It's right, weird. right, right. Yeah. Anyway, in August of 1980, a young Wisconsin couple, 19-year-old Kelly Drew and her 19-year-old boyfriend, Tim Hack, disappeared after attending a friend's wedding together. Darren, we were okay. just talking about all these weddings. I'm not Lord liking where this is going. Mercy. Okay. 
Two months later, their bodies were found several miles away in a wooded area. Tim had been stabbed to death while Kelly had been sexually assaulted and strangled. By September of 1980, Ed was questioned about a possible connection he may have had to Kelly and Tim's murders. He had been working as a handyman in the wedding reception hall where the couple were last seen, and authorities believed he may have been involved. Now remember, Mm. this guy's got a big criminal record. He's a reformed whatever. And now he's being, you know, he's down the hall, essentially, while this wedding's going on. Um, However, shortly after being questioned, Ed left the state and the murder case went cold. So in December of 1982, Ed, who is now living in Pennsylvania, was sent to prison again, but this time for Uh -uh. arson. (laughs) Yeah. Are you upset, Darren? Tell me what you're feeling. I don't know. Like, like, yeah. yeah. Like, how does he still get, like, for these short stints? Like, he's either, like, when he's telling it on, he's like, oh, I'm going to be a crook. I'm going to be a good crook. Dude, you're not a good crook. You keep getting caught. Well, right. You keep getting caught. You keep getting caught. You're committing your crimes. That's for sure. You know, but But you keep getting caught. Yeah. Well, he remained um, in this prison there until July of 1986, which was only really four years. Not that that's not a long time, but it is in the same... Or not that that's a long time, but it kind of is in a sense. Not for his eighth stint. Right, exactly. for fuck's sake, Jesus. And then in 1995, Ed became close with 18-year-old Daniel Glockner. I'm hoping I'm saying that last name right. Ed took Daniel under his wing and even tried to legally adopt him, but was unable to due to Daniel being 18 years old. Kind of an interesting thing here. I mean, you have to sort of stop and wonder what Ed's life is at this point, right? Like, he's... He was on a book tour. He was on a game show. Life seemed great. And then he's back in prison. He wants to be famous, though. Keep that in mind. Yeah, that's right. Good point. Um, instead, Ed christened Daniel with a new nickname, Danny Boy, not unlike Johnny Boy. Johnny which Boy. Which is what you give to, you've nicknamed me. And my name is Carp Carpenter. That's the Darren right. is a facade. It's a facade. <laughs> and I've been was... playing it up the whole time. You were right all along. My yeah. last name is Carpenter, but my first name's Carp. I was giggling over the weekend at your dismay at you being like, sometimes I wear my name on my shirt and people just like didn't get it. Like, I don't know no, why. People were that just, just like, literally, I got so many people being like, Darren's a fish. I go, guys, <laughs> think, it, Dar- you and I just need to go it. create our own universe, Darren. I feel like you and I are the only ones on the same page. Sometimes right I'm like, okay, I know my mind is weird and I know that I, I like <laughs> could connect things that other people don't connect, but like. But guys, guys. guys. <laughs> then again, I'm the one who thought your name was Darren Carpenter, so maybe I should just well, sure, be quiet. That's like yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, right, that is point. embarrassing. You're right. In 1996, Ed <laughs> encouraged Daniel to enlist in the army, naming Ed as the beneficiary to his life insurance policy. Oh lord. Oh. Ooh. 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 Um, which, as you might expect, I think we can all guess where this might be going. Anyway, as soon as he finished basic training, Daniel went AWOL and was was reported missing. Six months later, his body was found in a cemetery only half a mile away from Ed's home. Listen, I I wonder if there are police officers who listen to this show who might have some cases where somebody had a life insurance policy and then they went missing six months later, found, you know, half a mile away from the beneficiary's home. If so, go use this information because it's always life insurance related. Amen. It really is. Yeah. 
Anyway, when Daniel's body was found, Ed collected on the life insurance policy and, as you might expect, vanished from town. Well, in 2000, now we're kind of heading up to yeah. uh, our neck of the woods here. In 2000, Ed settled in Louisville, Kentucky. And by 2009, Ed's daughter April, now 40, had a light bulb moment. Later stating, quote, on, night, on a night, all of a sudden I remembered about the murders in Watertown, Wisconsin. I went online and I was actually really surprised to see that they had just reopened the case. And there was lots of information in there. And as I read it, I'm like... This is how I remember it. Oh, dear. April realized that as a kid, her dad had taken her to the same place where detectives had searched for the bodies. She began to strongly suspect her father may have had something to do with the murders. And April got in touch with her other three siblings, and together they pieced, they pieced their childhood, mm-hmm. spent, per, spent perpetually on the move, almost always immediately after a chaotic situation occurred with their father. Mm. And she realized that her family had moved away from Wisconsin abruptly, very shortly after the murders. She did some digging and found photos of the wedding hall where the couple was last seen and immediately recalled Uh, that her father had worked there at the same time. Just imagine, like, uncovering this about, like, let alone the 23andMe, like, where you're recovering half-siblings. Like, imagine being like, oh, your dad's a murderer. Your dad's a rapist. And you're sort of piecing it together and it's sort of confirming in your head as you're figuring it out. That's crazy. Well, she also remembered her father coming home with a cut on his face the night the couple disappeared. And although the police's questioning had seemed benign at the time, her family had moved away very soon after. Spooked, April called one of the detectives in charge of the case and introduced herself, saying, I might be sending you on a wild goose chase, and you might think I'm crazy, but this is what I remember when I lived there. I explained who my dad was and why, why I thought what I had thought. I didn't know at the time, but I was actually giving them a lot of information. And this is so fascinating because now I'm thinking, if you're an investigator... You know, are you, you're obviously looking at the, the adults in the situation or the suspects who, you, who are typically adults. But then, yeah, like 40 years later, are you thinking, oh, maybe that five or six or 10 year old might be able to piece together some of these details years later? Like, I wonder if investigators think to go talk to the kids, even though they were kids. It's kind of like having, like, taking a chapter out of a book and giving it to somebody else. And you're like, how did we get from here to here? Yeah, right. You can only fill in so much, you know? Like, the police can kind of fill in the latter half of the story. But the girls are going to, the kids are going to fill in the first part. It's very interesting. For sure. However, investigators took April very seriously. And based on her tip, reopened two cold cases. The murders of 21-year-old Billy Lavaco and 18-year-old Judy Straub. And the murders of Kelly Drew and Timothy Hack that we had mentioned before. Billy and Judy had been found together in an Ohio park and had died from point-blank gunshot wounds to the back of the neck. Mm. Both cases contained evidence containing DNA from the same unknown source. How lucky is that? The DNA evidence in Tim and Kelly's case led detectives to Louisville, Kentucky, and back to Ed. Investigators collected a DNA sample from Ed who matched the sample in the decade-old evidence. I thought this was going to go to, like, they took his daughter's DNA because you can, you know, find family that way. but. Great that they were even able to do that. And this is another case of like, you know, these things were happening in a time where the DNA stuff wasn't as prevalent. So the fact that people were able to not only think to take DNA, but then preserve it all those years later, that's great. A great testament to that police department, essentially. Well, on July 30th, 2009, guys, we're spanning decades now. Police tracked Ed down. He was now 76 years old morbidly obese, Mm. wheelchair-bound, and living in a mobile home with his wife, Kay. Ed was arrested for the 1980 murders of Kelly Drew and Timothy Hack and transported back to Wisconsin. 
However, Ed decided that he would rather be put to death than spend life in prison. And Wisconsin is not a death penalty state. I wonder if he's thinking too at this point, like, am I going to escape again? Like, whatever my tricks were, are they going to work now at 76? Wheelchair bound? I was going to say, because he's 76. Yeah. Yeah, probably not. Probably not, right? Well, on June 9th, 2010, Ed pled guilty to the murders of Kelly and Timothy. At the same time, Ed also voluntarily admitted that he committed two additional murders. Oh, okay. How nice of you. Okay. The 1977 slayings of Billy and Judy, uh, which took place in Ohio. Ed pled guilty to Billy and Judy's murder specifically because he was facing a sentence of life in prison in either state, and he preferred to be extradited back to Ohio, which he believed to be a death penalty state. This guy is like, I'm not going to live the rest of my life out in jail. We can get into the, like, you know, not the politics, but the debate about what life in prison versus death is here. Um, And I'm curious what you think, Darren, being someone who is against the death penalty. Here's somebody who has, you know, admitted to these murders and is like, hey, sounds good to me. You know, maybe we'll get to your thoughts there. Yeah. If you have them now. I mean, I I, I I will say, like, I do believe I own my body and what I want to do with it in any sort of way. So if I want to kill myself, I believe I have that right. Um or be put I to death like this? Do the, you believe with that as well? The reason I don't believe in capital punishment is because it's state-sanctioned death, mm-hmm. not personal choice. Mm, okay. um, and so I don't believe in state-sanctioned killing. But that doesn't mean that I don't believe in, and when I say believe in, I mean I have the right agree to do with it. Agree with. Uh, agree with, like, yeah. suicide. I, I agree with assisted suicide. You know, as long as everything yeah. is, is, is consenting, if there's two consenting adults, if there's someone who is miserable and horrible and wants to be put to death on their deathbed because they're suffering some rare disease and every yeah. day is pain, who are we to tell that person that they cannot do that? Sure. Like, I, I just, you know, I believe in compassionate kind of death. But state-sanctioned, no. Do you believe, so are you saying you don't like Ed's position here? or are I don't mind a- Ed wanting to kill himself. Like, I mean, I, be, I want to say I don't mind. I don't want to sound insensitive. No, I yeah, just mean yeah. in terms of the intellectual argument here of what we're talking right, about, right, take emotions right. aside, because obviously I'm a very empathetic person. But like, mm-hmm. no, I, I, I think that he should be allowed to kill himself if he wants. That being said, I don't think that, I think he's going to have to figure out while in prison how he's going to have to do that. I don't think we should help him do that. because. So you don't think if he gets the death penalty that it's right for the government to step in and essentially assist him in his suicide in a sense. I think that if he wants to die, he has to do it by his own hand mm-hmm. or figure out a way that he can do it voluntarily. I don't think the government should step in and say like, okay, well then death penalty is okay in this case because right. I don't right. think, I don't think the government reacts in nuance. They, they right. have no nuance. And once you allow an exception, it becomes the rule. That's fair. Interesting. Well, in fact, after his confession uh, to the Ohio murders, Ed wrote several letters to the prosecution teams and Wisconsin police demanding to be extradited back to Ohio. However, the death penalty had been replaced in Ohio in 1977, so extradition there would not help him achieve the death penalty. However, one of the detectives involved with the case believed he knew a fifth murder Ed may have committed, Daniel Glockner, who we talked about earlier. The detective told Ed that if he confessed to Daniel's murder and provided enough detail to prove the confession, he would face capital punishment for the crime because the death penalty had been temporarily reinstated in Ohio at the Uh time of the crime. Got it. Interesting. This is so fascinating, like how this stuff kind of plays out, you know, in a jurisdiction. 
Ed uh, was transported back to Ohio where a grand jury indicted him on two counts of aggravated murder, Billy and Judy's. The prosecution planned to seek two consecutive life sentences. So not what he wanted. Um, right. At this time, Ed signed a plea deal admitting his guilt to all four homicides, two in Ohio, two in Wisconsin. He also confessed to Daniel's murder, for which he stood trial in early of March of 2011. And as part of his statement, Ed detailed how he had shot Daniel in the shoulder. Daniel spun around and looked Ed in the eyes before Ed shot him in the head. Oh, God, I hate that detail. I mean, this was like his, like, mentee. Yeah, right. And he's collecting life insurance. And on March 8th, 2011, Ed was sentenced to death by lethal injection for killing Daniel. Ed's sentence was just set to be carried out on August 31st of the same year. And on April 7th, 2011, 77-year-old Ed, who suffered from a slew of medical conditions, died of natural causes in prison. Mm. Nobody claimed Ed's body, which was ultimately disposed of by the state of Ohio. However, in the time between his arrest for Billy and Judy and his death, Ed had given interviews to several journalists and armchair detectives, during which he insinuated responsibility for many more murders. Although we have no hard evidence here, many of these people believe Ed may have been responsible for the murders committed by the Zodiac Killer, the Black Mm. Dahlia murder, and the killing of JonBenet Ramsey. Wow. Those are some very big cases to be associated with. I highly doubt that... uh, (laughs) I don't think Ed is responsible for, for Black Dahlia. I think we figured that one out, <laughs> as well as JonBenet Ramsey. I also think we figured that one out, too. And I was going to say... That's my that personal opinion. Not adjudicated in court. That's right. But just my personal opinion. That's all we're saying here on the show. Nothing to see here. And didn't the Zodiac Killer, wasn't there some re- revelation recently, like they found that guy as well? Or am I making that it's up? Ted Cruz. No, I'm just kidding. That was Ted Cruz, right? That was a few years back, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yes. what a fascinating case, and I'm really interested, Darren, in your in your points of view. And thanks for sharing them because I think I think this is one of the first, epi- you know, first shows we've ever covered where someone was sort of begging for, you know, the death penalty, but like it wasn't available, and it's like so many different kind of things that are well, different. Well, uh, certainly the first case we've covered where I think people are willing to admit to more murders in order to get the result right. they want. Right. Right. Yeah. By the way, when you say we think we figured out the John Benet Ramsey case, are you are we thinking this it's the same person here? We're, <laughs> we're like mouthing to each other. We don't want to say it because, you know, technically no one's been charged, but I think we all know who we think did the John Benet Ramsey okay. situation. We were doing our argument. Yeah, we right? were we were on the same okay. page. Yeah, we mouth okay, okay. we mouthed the same thing. I, I have this vision of like thousands of listeners mouthing it at the same time. Yeah, they were us. like, it's it's me. It, exactly. It's yeah. you know. It's Daddy Cat. It's, it's Daddy, Daddy Cat. Cat. That's all you. It's Daddy know. Cat. Well, let us know what you guys think about today's case, and let us know what you think about the uh, death penalty situation here. Um, yeah. Hit us up at J Thrasher Carpe Darren. You can hit us up on Patreon. We are always responding to our DMs there. One of us usually is, and uh, we always have got that Facebook group that's still up and running, and you guys are having a lot of fun fun with it. Um, that's right. Darren, in lieu of our recent excitement around uh, our merch launch, we have a couple of listener shout-outs that I wanted to highlight uh, from some feedback from some of our uh, Patreon fans. Paula on Patreon said, Hoodie, T-shirt, and a notebook? Radishes unite! Emphasis my own. <laughs> but I had to put that little singing twist on it. Thank you, Paula. That's so nice. I love that. I also love radishes unite. Like, if we can make yeah. that a thing, you know. And by the way, you singing radishes unite gonna isolate that Radishes and make unite. A, yeah okay okay i'm gonna make that a yeah. sound effect oh great i'm sorry we're losing listeners we're losing listeners that's right uh longtime fan susan on patreon said me being a librarian love the shh shirt 
We have a shirt. It says, shh, I'm listening to Shaken and Disturbed. I think it was specifically made for Susan being a librarian. So we Susan, did that for you, Susan. Yeah, that's, that's for you. That's my mom's name. That's my mom's uh, name. There you go. Perfect. And, and obviously, if you want your own T-shirt, hoodie, pillow, notebook, tampon, tote, gun, whatever. <laughs> whatever you want. Yeah. Click the link in our. That was just to see if everyone. We can't picture. promise that all of those things are there, Darren. But well, we most can't of them also are. not promise that. Um, That's fair. Click the link to our merch store <laughs> in the show notes of this episode. Make sure yeah. to tag us on social when you receive it. So oh my we god! Can DM it, regram yes. it, retweet it, re f book it, remeta it, whatever the fuck it is. We're retruth doing it. it. Have you heard about retru- this? Oh yeah, retruth. Yeah, we're retruth. gonna retruth. We're not, I don't know that we're on that platform, but anyway. Yeah, that's one of the things I'm really excited about. As soon as you guys get your stuff, please show it to us because we want to see it on you. We want to see that's you guys right. model. We want to retweet. We want to share everything. So make sure you send it to us. And of course, you can support the show directly by signing up to become a Patreon fan. You can get bonus episodes, discount codes for merch in the future, and so much more for as little as $5 a month. And you can get it even cheaper if you sign up annually. So thank you for all of your support if you're a Patreon member. Darren, yeah, let's yeah, wrap it up yeah, the yeah, best yeah. way we know okay. how. Yeah. One, two, three. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Megan. Megan. What an interesting show. This was one of the more exciting shows for me. I kind of liked our little conversation where you were with all that. Yeah, Megan Megano really did it right. She really That's did right. it right. Yes, Megan Megans Megan. did it right. Megan Megans did it right. Megan 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 Megans did it right, and John Johns did it also. John Johns is a good name. I like that. I'm John Johns. There was an reporting American... for the five o'clock news. There was an. Ameri- I'm John Johns. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. No, T- I like testing it. Keep it going. Out. There was an American Idol winner named Philip Phillips. I don't know if you remember him. I do know Philip Phillips. That's right. What are your thoughts about a Darren Darren's? No, I can't work. No, we got to go. Darren's too great as its own. On its own. Wow. Okay. Anyway, guys, thank you for all the birthday love. I love you all. And we will see you next week for a fresh NMR and a fresh case. Goodbye. Bye. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.